0: WELCOME TO Canada's NATIONAL BIBLE HOUR. THIS IS BRIAN ALBRECHT, YOUR HOST AND PRESIDENT OF MISSION GO. THIS IS A CHRISTMAS SEASON AND TODAY OUR SCRIPTURE IS TAKEN FROM MATTHEW CHAPTER 1, VERSE 23 WHICH SAYS, BEHOLD, A VIRGIN SHALL BE WITH CHILD, AND SHALL BRING FORTH A SON, AND THEY SHALL CALL HIS NAME EMMANUEL, WHICH BEING INTERPRETED IS, GOD WITH US. GOD WITH US IS is IN TWO senses IN THIS VERSE. THE FIRST SENSE IS, that he came physically he was born in a major he lived a real life he died on a cross and bore our sins in his body he took our place and because of that we can have forgiveness of sins and be made righteous but more than that there's a second sense and the second sense is he's with us spiritually those of us who are believers in christ and that means that he's promised never to leave us or forsake us he's promised to always be with us no matter what comes down life's way And these are wonderful things we can think about during this holiday season. It's a radio edition of Global Times. Today we have in our studio Eddie and Carrie Ramos, who are presently serving in the Dominic Republic, and uh, God has led them together and has used them in a mighty way, and we're going to find out more about their ministry today. And Carrie, why don't you tell us about the ministry at the school and maybe some of the children that you both have had an influence over?
1: Okay, our school is called Colegio Caminito de Jesus. That translates as Pathway to Jesus School. It's in Santiago, Dominican Republic. Um, Our school is currently serving about 250 kids from 2 years old to 6th grade. Most of the kids at our school would otherwise be in the public school system in the Dominican Republic. The public school system down there is very poor. And so the kids there do not get quality education. So our ministry is twofold. It is one to reach out to the lower economic neighborhood and reach out to those kids and give them a quality education. And it is also to reach those kids and their families and tell them about Christ and bring them to Christ. And so um, being with those kids every day gives that, gives us a lot of opportunities to um, witness to them, to counsel parents and families and to share with them about the love of Christ. So a lot of our students come from very difficult home situations and so um, definitely need to learn about the love of Christ and and being brought to Christ is something that could change their lives. One student that we were able to reach their family is a little girl, her name is Monica and she was in our four-year-old classroom as part of her bible curriculum she participated in danza danza is the word in spanish that's used in the bible for um, a type of dance that is worship Um, it's a respectful form of worship through dance She had the opportunity to participate in that as part of our Bible curriculum in our four-year-old preschool room, and she loved it. She took to it, and she lit up learning Danza. There was a noticeable change in her behavior and her attitude and her face. You could just see it. And she would go home, and she would sing the songs, and she would practice her Danza at home. And so when her mom and her grandma came to parent-teacher conferences that year, they talked to the teacher and they said, "What, what is happening with Monica? Because she's she's changed, and um, she prays before she eats. She prays before she goes to bed, and we've just noticed a change in her." And, so that gave us the perfect opportunity to witness to her mother and to her grandmother and tell them about Christ and tell them about Jesus and share with them about the gospel and talk to them about salvation. And it was so amazing to me how God can use even the smallest of children to, to reach their own families, their own parents, and, and to be witnesses to their families as well.
0: Yeah, that's a really, uh, really a wonderful story. We're so thankful that you've had the opportunity to, to minister there and uh, be there. Eddie was
2: the administrator there for, for several years. Eddie, do you have any stories you'd like to share with us? One of
1: the stories out of
2: many was a
1: child from when I was teaching um, P.E. He was four or five years old. He asked me uncle Eddie.
2: ¿Quién es Dios? Who is God? Y me dio la de quién era Dios.
1: And it gave me the opportunity to explain to him who God is.
2: Después de eso, él comunicó quién era Dios a sus padres.
1: And after that, he went home and he talked to God with his parents, about God to his parents.
2: Y a fin de año, los padres me dieron un gran abrazo.
1: And at the end of that school year, his parents came to me and they gave me a big hug.
2: Y realmente me sentí uh, orgulloso.
1: And I felt very proud.
2: De saber que honramos a un Dios.
1: To know that we honor God. A God
2: puede vida de los niños de los
1: who can work in the lives of children and their parents.
2: Mi vida también.
1: And that touched my life as well.
2: Wow. Well, well, that is a good story. Thank you for sharing that.
0: Now, Eddie, you were the uh, administrator there. Um, you were actually uh, taking care
2: of the day to day operations and watching over the finances. Is that what your job was? Mm-hmm. Yes. No, no, no. Era mantener todo en orden, My
1: work in general was just to keep everything in order.
2: Y lidiar, or, um, de los
1: and to be a leader and to resolve some of the problems that came up as well.
2: And now you've actually uh, trained others to
0: even take over your position there and, and to uh, and freeze you up so that you can go to another ministry. That's right. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, we'll find out more about uh, your new ministry next week. The Lord bless you. We're so thankful for the way that uh, you've been on minister to so many needy kids and um, bring them to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The Lord bless you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for listening to Canada's National Bible Hour and for your prayers and your financial support over these many, many years that we've been on the air. Uh, We continue to need your support, and of course, at Christmas, uh, many remember us, and we're so thankful for that because Legacy Gifts and those who contribute to this ministry every month have been able to sustain this ministry for well over 90 years. This month, we're offering a wonderful book on Christmas by Max Licato. Let me just read his description of this book. The greatest mind in the universe imagined time. The truest judge granted Adam a choice. But it was love that gave Emmanuel, God with us. The author would enter his own story. The Word would become flesh. He too would be born. He too would be human. He too would have feet and hands, tears and flesh. Witness the birth of Christ as you've never seen it before. Witness the birth of Christ as you've never seen it before. I highly recommend that you would get this book. It's got some unique insights into Christmas that I think many of us uh, haven't realized or even thought about and how uh, blessed we are to be the recipient of a God who loved us so much that he became flesh and a babe and a manger in Bethlehem. And so I really encourage you to order your copy of this book. Don't forget to order your copy of In the Manger by Max Licato. And you can write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R 7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. And we appreciate your prayers to Canada's National Bible Hour. Today's message is from Reverend George Francisco and is entitled, Christmas, What Is It All About? I know that you will enjoy this message. Printed copies are available upon request.
3: Joy to the world, the Lord is come, let earth receive her king, let every heart prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing. This is how the hymn writer Isaac Watts expressed his feelings for Christmas. Believers everywhere celebrate the blessed season with songs, joyful songs of hope and peace, songs of God's love for mankind and of Christ the Savior's birth. This is a happy season, and I wish for each of you listening today the warmth and happiness that knowing the Christ of Bethlehem brings on this christmas sunday i turn to the book of galatians for god's view of christmas i hope it will help prepare us to worship and experience god's best during this blessed season in galatians chapter 4 and verse 4 i read when the fullness of time was come god sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law In this verse, we see truth that will help dispense the tinsel and trappings that captivate so many at this Christmas season. What is Christmas really about? What is the basis for the happiness and joy that this season is supposed to bring? The Apostle Paul, writing by inspiration of God's Holy Spirit, grasps the true essence of the Christmas season when he writes to the Galatian church. First, in the fullness of time, or when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son. The first thing we see here is that Christmas was God's idea. It was planned by God. It took place according to his plan when time was full or complete. That means at just the right moment. Christmas was planned of God and it took place right on time. We see then that God was in charge. Christmas speaks of the sovereignty of God. God had a plan for the world. He worked out that plan according to his own will. He sent Christ into the world at just the right moment. Israel had waited long for the promised Messiah. They had plenty of time to realize their own helplessness to overcome their sin. All of their religious ritual ended only in failure to keep God's laws. This surely pointed to the need of a savior. The time was right theologically. The time was also right conditionally. Israel was dominated by the great Roman Empire. This created many problems, but it also meant many conditions conducive to the spread of the gospel. Rome had achieved world peace by its policies of brutality and appeasement. This gave a measure of stability to government. The scholar Kenneth Weest has summed up other conditions of time, of the time when he writes, quote, Roman roads made travel for missionaries easy. The universal use of the Greek language made the speedy propagation of the gospel possible. The earth stage was all set for the greatest event in the history of the human race the incarnation, sacrificial death, and bodily resurrection of God the Son." Then, too, prophets of Israel had foretold of Messiah's death by methods unknown to Israel. In Psalm 22, David, by God's Spirit, wrote, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax, it melteth in the midst of my bowels. My tongue cleaveth to my jaws. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet." These and many more prophecies speak of Messiah's death by crucifixion, 1,000 years before the time of Christ. Now crucifixion was not the method of capital punishment of the Jews, but it was of the Romans. Thus, prophecies of Scripture proved absolutely accurate and dependable and were fulfilled in Christ. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his Son. We see then that every detail that was predetermined was fulfilled by a sovereign God. Then too, the text talks not only of God's sovereignty, but it speaks next of Christ's divinity for it says, God sent forth his son. That little baby born in the humble Bethlehem stable and laid in a manger for a cradle was different from any other child ever born. The prophet Isaiah had declared 750 years before Christ's birth these words, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Isaiah spoke of the dual nature of Messiah. He would be born a child, but he would also be a son that was given. In Christ both these were fulfilled. Born a child, Christ was human but he also was the Son of God, for Scripture declares, God sent forth his Son. This is why Christ was so different, human and yet divine. Humanly, he became hungry. As divine, he fed 5,000 people with a little boy's lunch. Humanly, he slept in a boat. As divine, he arose and calmed the raging wind and waves of a storm. By his words, peace. Be still, as a man he died on the cross, as God he arose the third day triumphantly. Christ was child and son, human and divine, man and God. This is what makes the birth of Christ so significant. No wonder angels were excited. No wonder they declared that through this child born in a stable, peace would one day come to all the earth for Bethlehem's babe was also God the Son, the Prince of Peace. Paul declares of Christ that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, 2 Corinthians 5. When we celebrate Christmas, we celebrate more than a sentimental story of a little baby being born to a poor family in impoverished circumstances. We really need to celebrate the coming of God's Son into this ruined world. This says that God knows all about us, that he cares for each one of us, and he has done something extraordinary, great, and wonderful by his coming. Christ was the divine Son of the living God. Then thirdly, we have in the text, humanity, for it says, made of a woman. Here is the Christmas story that we know so well. Mary, a young Jewish girl, was the woman chosen of God to bear the Messiah. Luke 1 and 30 says, And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Verse 35, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God we shall probably never understand fully the mystery and holiness of Christ's birth. Isaiah the prophet had declared, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, Isaiah 7. Joseph, the man to whom Mary was engaged to be married, chose not to believe Mary's story about the child. And Matthew 1 tells us he was minded to put her away privily, verse 19. This clearly shows that he knew the baby was not his, and only after a special revelation from God did he finally believe and take his place in the Christmas story. Christ was born of a virgin. Angels from God announced his birth, not to the rich and famous of his day, for they really weren't interested in God or what he was doing. But shepherds, lowly men, men who lived close to nature and who believed in nature's God, they heard the angel's message. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. They believed God's revelation, and it says they came with haste and found the babe lying in a manger. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all things that they had seen and heard as it was told unto them. What joy Christmas brought to these men. Friends, Christmas means more than Santa Claus and decorated Christmas trees with gifts. It means that we need to come humbly to Christ, the Son of God, as the shepherds did, and see in him God's great gift to us. It means that we believe what God is saying and that we experience a life-changing relationship with God that moves the focus of our lives from ourselves to a life of praising and glorifying God as the shepherds did. Finally, the text says that God's Son came to redeem them that were under the law. Here we see design or purpose. God had a purpose in sending Christ. The purpose was not just to be a good example. Christ was that. It was not just to reveal God's true nature. Jesus surely did that. He said, He that hath seen me hath seen the Father, John 14. In other words, the Father is just like me, loving, forgiving, caring, and so forth. What an adjustment many people have to make in their concept of God. The father of the Old Testament is like the son of the New Testament. The real purpose of Christ's coming was to redeem mankind. Bethlehem was to be inseparably linked to Calvary. Revelation 13 and 8 speaks of Christ as the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. This means that the... At the beginning of man's creation, God had Calvary in mind. The question may be asked, does man need God's redemption? Some years ago, an evangelist was invited to speak to factory workers in a company canteen. After his message, he invited questions. A worker stood up and bluntly said, we don't need religion. We have everything we need here. We are paid well. The firm provides recreation. We are served food, and we don't even have to do the dishes. Why do we need your gospel? The evangelist pointed to a large poster that he had seen on entering, and it read, Twelve hundred knives and forks have been stolen from this canteen in the past month. Those wishing to use the canteen from now on must bring their own cutlery. Does man need God's redemption? Surely a quick look around at the murders, immorality, pornography, and hatred and war is convincing enough. Christ came to redeem mankind. Redeem means to buy back by paying a price. Christ paid redemption's price and gave his life an offering on the cross for man's sin. Peter declared that we are redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And Paul says that Christ is the one in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. This is what makes Christmas meaningful. It speaks of God who loved man and gave his son to pay for man's sin. At this Christmas time will you say with the hymn writer, O come to my heart, Lord Jesus, there is room in my heart for thee. May God grant you a blessed Christmas season.
0: I trust that the message you just heard will be a real blessing to you and uh, to your life throughout this next week. We're so thankful for those who listen to our broadcast. We're concerned about those who may not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so the Bible is really clear that all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us have done things that we're ashamed of, things that the Bible calls sinful, and because of that, we're separated from God. And we have no way, no ability, to get to God. So God had to do something for us and he did. He sent the best gift that heaven had to offer, the Lord Jesus Christ. And God became man and became flesh and blood in a manger in Bethlehem. And he lived a sinless life, but his goal was to go to the cross. And as he was on the cross, he thought about you and me and all the sins that we committed. And he paid the debt. He paid the penalty for our sins. Because God has to judge sins because he's totally righteous and holy and pure and perfect. And so Jesus bore our sins in his own body and he died. But on the third day, he rose again. His sacrifice was accepted. And as long as we accept him, as we receive him into our heart and into our life, our sins are forgiven and we have life and we have life more abundantly. The Bible says, but as many as receive him, the Lord Jesus Christ, unto them gave he the right to become the children of God. So I would ask that you would pray and sincerely ask Jesus to come into your life. And don't forget to order your copy of In the Manger, a book by Max Licato. This book will be a real blessing to you. And you can write to Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R7A7 or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231. And also you can hear past broadcasts on our website at missiongo.org. That's M-I-S-S-I-O-N-G-O.org. I trust that God will continue to bless you throughout this week in this Christmas season.